Hello and welcome back to Gotham Front Page, your news and updates from the night before for your morning commute. My name is Dan Rosell and I'm joined by James Duffy. How's it going? Dan, good morning. How you doing? It's been a, a slow week so far, but it's hump day, September 12th, so uh, another uh, beautiful day in paradise, right? It, I mean, that just ended at a time of filming, but yes, uh, no more days in paradise for the stars of The Bachelor in Paradise. Uh, thank you for reminding me about this important topic we had to talk about. You mentioned it. We're kind of still in the dog days part of uh, most seasons. Football started back up, so we're ramping back into it. But I, I did want to say, you know, there was uh, not much news that came out yesterday, but there was a lot of uh, retrospectives, obviously, on 9-11. So if you have a chance, read as many of those as you can. It's always important getting you know, a bunch of different perspectives on pretty much a generationally defining event. Um, mm-hmm. So that's something that, you know, we've always talked about how sports helps in the healing process for cities, and New York is no different. So if you have a chance, read back on some of those retrospectives, just some of the experiences that were shaped because of this, you know, tremendous, important, you can't understate the gravitas of this event. Oh, absolutely. I, I think what kind of shook me uh, on Tuesday was um, I saw a headline about basically how uh, September 11, 2001 is being taught as a historical event in, you know, elementary school classrooms now when I remember being in elementary school and every September 11th, it would be kind of a very somber day where because it was kids that were, you know, young but alive when it happened. People would kind of talk about what they remember from it, their families, how they were affected. You know, it was a very kind of firsthand, real-world thing, and now we're a generation past that, which is kind of staggering to think about, considering it's such a defining event for for really most of the 21st century. There's some people in college now who aren't even alive for that, which is wild to me. And it really yeah. kind of defines, um, you know, at least my generation for – it was like the formative event of our childhoods. It was, I'm sure – you know, a few years before me, the Lewinsky scandal. It was like you were conscious enough to know how important that was. It's something that you remember what it was like surrounding it. Um, just a national event, everyone, actually an international event. So, again, this is something that we can't understate the importance of, and hopefully, you know, people remember it for a very, very long time. It can't get lost in memories. All right, so uh, it's not an episode of Front Page if I don't talk about something depressing, so we're going to kind of switch gears here and say it's also not an episode of Front Page with the two of us if we don't talk. Uh, what I saw is pretty much the only big news of the day, you may not agree, but Steve Iserman leaving his post as general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning, they of everyone will pick them for the Stanley Cup as long as he's the GM there. Mm-hmm. Um, he decided that he wants to be closer to his kids, so he's moving back to the Detroit area, and he resigned his post very abruptly today. Uh, I feel like we're not getting the whole story here. What do you think? Well, yeah, so first off, this is a segment that for hockey fans, we like to call Talkin' Hockey with Dan and Duff. So, uh, But for anybody that's not a hockey fan, we can call this segment just skip ahead five minutes in the podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, um, Steve Eiserman, I think, kind of regarded as, if not the best, one of the top three best general managers in the NHL. Um, he put together a, a lightning team that has been one of the best in the league every year with him at the helm, at least for the last few. 
Um, I think it's interesting to see him make this decision when they haven't really won anything yet, so to speak. They have not won the Stanley Cup under him, despite the fact that he's gotten close many times. But family comes first, right? I don't think it's a decision that anyone can really knock for hockey-related reasons because family comes first in all these kind of situations. It's just surprising to see something like this so close to the season, right? You know, he could have made this decision in the past, months ago. To, to have it come out right before the preseason starts is, is a little bit shocking. But I don't know. Maybe there's more to the story, but I'm not going to be one to kind of try to dig or question it because if he wants to say it's for his family, I'm going to take him at face value on that. And if anything else comes out, we'll all address it from there, I think. He hasn't really given us a reason not to believe him. Now, you know, a particular attraction to him could be the fact that Ken Holland, GM of the Detroit Red Wings, is very much on the hot seat right now. And if that job opens up, that might be something that uh, he might want to tackle. You know, I, I guess, but, you know, we know Ken Holland has two years left on his deal, and, and we know that Steve Eisman has one year left on his contract. It seems like the timing on this, as weird as it is that it's right before the, the preseason starts, that part of the timing is weird. But in the, in the greater scheme of things, if he really wanted this Detroit job, I think he could very easily, after his contract was up with Tampa Bay, leverage kind of his ability to come to Detroit with Holland getting fired after another non-competitive season. So in terms of the, the timing of the year and the year that he did it, it, it doesn't make sense in terms of aspiring to a new job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, the weirdest thing about this is the timing. You're right. It just, if it was something that happened at the beginning of summer, so the new GM has time to adjust, but this is like, this is, it reminds me of when Patrick Wall left the avalanche a week before the season started. Yeah, it's just weird. But at least granted, they did promote uh, Julian Brisbois, or however you pronounce it, because it's a weird last name. Brisbois. Bois. Sorry, I'm not French enough. That's really <laughs> oof. Um, but, you know, he's, he's a great assistant GM, one of the guys that was being pegged for, uh, for full-time GM jobs around the league this summer. So he, I'm sure he'll be fine, and he knows the team. He's been there under Eisman for years, but... Uh, still weird to hear. And uh, other hockey news, New York hockey news, the Rangers made a trade that almost nobody cares about. Yeah, did they? I mean, it feels like this is the most net zero trade I could possibly think of. This is one of those trades that if you're not really closely following hockey, like this sounds like made up players from NHL 20, like NHL 19 when you're in like season 2027, you just draft random guys. <laughs> Adam McQuaid for Stephen Kampfer, a fourth and a seventh. That's like, okay, you just made up people. That's cool. Though. That's that's fine. Well, that's what passes news nowadays. Yeah, it's uh, it's getting slow for hockey, but yeah, you know, I mean, I know the preseason's coming up for the Islanders. Their first game is uh, is tonight. Oh, I think that I mean the Devils just, uh, the Devils prospects just got back from Buffalo, where they put up a cool little sixteen goals in three games. So I'm a fan of that. Well, that's, that's some goals, but I guess for any Ranger fans that are listening and have not seen the deal, they got Adam McQuaid, who's basically gonna be a depth right-handed defenseman for them. Nothing special at all veteran presence etc etc buzzword buzzword you have you have much. these kinds of people floating around all through training camp season right right and what's interesting you know it, it seems like he wasn't really gonna have a spot on the bruins but he's been a member of that team for a long time so as opposed to cutting him they found a way to uh gracefully part ways so uh i don't think it'll be an impact player for the rangers this season might be Again, buzzwords, right? A guy with something to prove, a veteran on a young team. Every hockey cliche you can think of is going to be spat out about Adam McQuaid, but 
It's kind of just a whatever move. Well, he could be flipped at the deadline, too, for a team that That's has another defenseman get injured. Said, hey, this, this is the player, just flip him at the deadline. Flip him oh, at the I deadline. If you're a rebuilding team, you better flip everyone that you signed that year. Hey, flip, 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 flip him at the deadline. <laughs> flip, 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 exactly. Get him, you know, he kind of... He's that kind of guy who fits the mold of this team has almost enough, but they had like a middle defenseman get injured, so they'll trade for this guy. Whereas like he'll be important in a playoff run just for the depth purpose, but really will provide very little value outside of that. Yeah, and it's kind of like how the Islanders PTO'd Lucas Biza for absolutely no reason, even though he's hot garbage. But I won't complain about the Islanders yet, so... Oh, the Devils brought back Drew Stafford on another PTO, so... Oh, uh, boy. Let's see, let's see where that goes. Only well, time been, will tell. I mean, yeah, this has been talking hockey. This is... My Sorry, God. You mean, mean talking hockey? Talking hockey. We've gone way overboard. But <laughs> switching topics here, speaking of reining in, uh, we had a little bit of a controversy on the weekend that I know we haven't addressed on this podcast yet, so I'm interested to hear what you've got to say you've teased a pretty uh pretty warm to hot take in this regard but serena williams lost in her final match against naomi osaka the next uh superstar in women's tennis and the story was not about her first major win or really the first major win for a japanese player in any singles comp any singles grand slam uh that's kind of a big deal but it was more about Serena and the uh, game penalty that she incurred after a third uh, violation from the ref. And obviously, or the chair umpire, who's getting a lot of backlash right now. Yeah. Um, all right, so just to kind of like break it down, for anyone that didn't see it somehow or didn't really kind of see the intricacies of it, basically what happened was Serena at first got a warning, a formal warning. And in tennis, the way it goes is your first code violation of any sort is a formal warning. Your second one is a point penalty. Third one is a game penalty. Fourth is match forfeiture. She got a formal warning on her first code violation for coaching from her coach, right? She basically went and and gracefully spoke to the uh, umpire and said, listen, I know you think I was coaching. I wasn't, yada, yada, yada. And he said, I understand. She thought that she got the penalty taken away and that she had a clean slate. So then she broke her racket which is another code violation, would have gotten her a warning if she was clean, but it got her a point penalty that she didn't realize until she started the next game and saw that she was down love 15. Then she kind of started freaking out. And, and from there, it escalated. Then in between games, she was screaming at the umpire, and that's when she got a game penalty, which basically at that point, even though Osaka was already going to win, it pretty much gave Osaka the match. It made it 5-3 in, in the second set. So that's when things got kind of out of hand um i don't i think everybody in this situation uh the wta serena williams the umpire and the fan and the fans at the u.s open everybody other than uh osaka is kind of at fault here because Mm -hmm. nobody handled this situation properly start to finish i mean it it starts with obviously the umpire making a ticky tacky call that wouldn't go against a lot of people in terms of the coaching thing even though he's a straight dump and then, and then drawing a line of verbal abuse is a weird rule to call, but he was kind of being berated. He didn't really have much of a choice, I think. And I understand Serena's anger. She's one of the most competitive athletes of all time, one of the most talented athletes of all time, and she's losing in the second set of a, of a, of a major. Of course she's going to be upset about it, right? Um, I, I think that she's always been a very passionate and fiery player. Her competitiveness has gotten the best of her in the past. That's not really even a question. This is the third... 
I guess, kind of quote-unquote outbreak she's had at a U.S. Open fi- or a U.S. Open match before. So it's not kind of unseen from Serena. I think she's just too competitive for her own good sometimes. And then for the, the Tennis Association to actually come out and say, wow, this wasn't the finish we were hoping for, but whatever, kind of, after Serena lost. And the crowd to just actively boo after Osaka probably had the best moment of her entire life. It was just a shit show start to finish. And no, I don't think anybody's kind of blameless here. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. There's there's a moment where, like, do you give LeBron a foul in the last minute of the fourth quarter of a Game 7? No, you, you don't. Like, you let some stuff go at that point. And for Serena Williams, like, this is a final. It, it kind of seemed like she was on the path to losing the second she lost back the break. So at 2-1, she broke Osaka, and then immediately after Osaka broke back, and that's when the racket... Um, like the racket smashing happened. So I feel at that point she was already, you know, disheartened enough where she was going to lose this match either way. But by giving her the penalty, the the ump kind of inserted himself into the situation. Like if he did nothing, Osaka still probably would have won. However, you know, everyone on the tour, I'm sure, gets coaching at some point, whether it's intentional or not, whether they ask for it, like they have to look at their corner for encouragement and they might be motioning sometimes just because he was caught doesn't mean that's like a normal occurrence or that she had anything to do with it however you know she it does feel like every time she's losing to the extent that she was something like this happens where i feel like she could have easily disengaged with this and kind of brought it up after the match but it did kind of rob osaka of her big moment it it felt like I felt awful seeing her need to justify or like her need to apologize for winning this matchup because it seems so unpopular. Just it seems very unfair. And I don't know. Serena's been on tour a very long time. And obviously in the aftermath, she handled it like a professional. She congratulated Osaka. She's like, listen, don't you dare boo her like this is her moment. She earned it you know nothing bad to say about her competitor and really you're right there was no vulgarity she didn't curse she didn't threaten the umpire like she's done that in the past but this time it was all like you know pretty cordial pretty straightforward and uh i don't know why he felt the need to give her a warning or punishment for something that she's right like a lot of male players would not get punished for at the same stage of a major tournament Yeah, I I think so. It kind of goes in a couple spots, right? Because in my opinion, at least, she shouldn't have gotten the actual formal code violation for the coaching. So she should have gotten her first one and a formal warning with a racket slam. But when she lost the point on that, that's when kind of I think the umpire was in the wrong and she was justifiably upset. But then after that point, when she was kind of every time that she was you know near the stand or crossing over for games, she would just kind of go after him and, and she was yelling at him consistently. So not that she was like overly disrespectful or like the worst rant I've ever seen. And like, that's ridiculous. Of course, I think from his point of view, he basically saw the only way for him to no longer get just berated for the rest of this match was to penalize her. Um, right or wrong decision. That's what he did. Um, you know, you can, if you want to draw the comparisons to, is this sexist because of what men can get away with? Obviously that's kind of a separate issue there. Um, but just not a good look for for most people involved honestly and it's something that you know i I wonder if we kind of see a backlash towards this umpire in the future and dan with a a nice talk of tennis and hockey 
we got our, our talkings out of the way. I think it's time to move on to our final segment for the day. You know what this is about. This is this is birthdays, Dan. Are you ready? Yeah, this is the fortunate people who weren't born yesterday. You you could say that. Um, <laughs> these are the September 12th slate of birthdays. Uh, Paul Walker uh, sadly passed away a few years ago. He would have been 45 today. Uh, 2 Chains is 40, which is way older than I thought 2 Chains was. <laughs> uh, Jennifer Hudson is 36, which is way younger than I thought Jennifer Hudson was. Uh, Yao Ming, 37 years old. Emmy Rossum is 31. Neil Pert is 65. Freddie Freeman is 28. Um, and Jesse Owens and Henry Hudson also had birthdays today. We don't have numbers there for them because I guess they... It'd be difficult to do the math because we're dumb. Yeah, the, the real answer is exactly that. I just didn't feel like doing the math on those. Yeah, they're, they're old. They're over 90 at least. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Dan, from that list, who do you got? I got Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens is an Olympic hero. He went straight into the uh, the eagle's nest in Germany and kind of proved that whole Aryan superior race thing really, really wrong when he destroyed uh, everyone in every race. So Mm. uh, they're looking at this. They're like, who is this? Uh, who's this black guy running really, really was that, fast? Wait, Dan, was that, was that pun on purpose that he destroyed everyone in every race, like every other race, but also all of his running races, he destroyed them? Yeah, let's say it was on purpose. Double entendre, <laughs> baby. Good catch, yeah, by the so way. Yeah, so James right. Cleveland Jesse Owens would have been 105 today. That was actually easy math, Dan, so oh. I'm disappointed that you didn't do that. Uh, that's my fault on that one, but he's also my winner, so uh, congratulations, Jesse Owens. You're an American hero. Um... Definitive proof that the master race is a bullshit concept. In case we needed any more of that definitive proof, honestly. I mean, I, uh, I, I know we didn't. <laughs> right, right. So I, for myself, because Jesse Owens is off the board, I'm going to take Emmy Rossum, uh, the star of the show Shameless on Showtime. She plays Fiona. Uh, big fan of the show. I watched like the first seven seasons of it, then then trailed off because... I get bored of shows sometimes, but she's a great actress, also a great singer. She actually has like a very good singing voice, and she's done some. I think she's put out a few albums that I had no idea about till like I had watched six seasons of Shameless. So she's kind of like the triple threat. Really, uh, really talented woman. Uh, happy birthday, Emmy! She sang the anthem at the Rock, I think, when it first opened. At Dwayne Johnson. At uh, yeah, that one. She but sang at, it the, at, uh, at Dwayne at the, Johnson. Yeah, at the Prudential Center. Uh, for the opening game there, I'm pretty sure. Really? Yeah, which is... I don't know if it was the opening game, but they, it definitely happened at a Devils game that season, that inaugural season. Wow. Uh, good for her. Yeah, she's she's super talented that I had no idea about when I was watching the show. Yeah. And, I mean, she directed part of the show. I gush about her in the uh, latest episode of post credit Small Screen because she announced she's leaving Shameless, so I had to... Mm-hmm get my moment in there but speaking um, of shameless shameless plug for your podcast true everyone listen to it but uh that being said a worthy choice as well um so yeah that's been september 12th for you not much news going on but important topics to discuss thanks again for listening we appreciate it and where can they find your things you can find me on the twitter at two turtle duffs uh, and you can find the blog at gotham sn dan what about you yeah, same uh, same blog. Go in that direction as well. And uh, you can find me at, at RoselleGSN, R-O-Z-E-L-G-S-N. Um, yeah, that's been our time here. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you tomorrow. Tomorrow.